0: He comes from an illustrious Dharma family in Nepal and from Tibet with amazing parentage and and in a family that was really surrounded by great Tibetan masters and and teachers and so forth Um, and uh, um, was recognized as a a young boy, um, as a, a, a reincarnate. Lama, and then did um, um, extensive training, particularly with Thais Situ Rinpoche, um, including the three-year retreat as a very young man, um, and then becoming retreat master for the three-year retreat, and then running the, um, as, a, as the acting head of the, the school and monastery and so forth for a long time, all while he was very young. Um, in fact, from my standards, he's still very young. <laughs> he's done all these amazing things. Um, and um, he came here, he's been coming to the West on and off now for 10 years, and came and has uh, been part of the mind-life science dialogue that's been going on for years and years, um, and was one of those who volunteered to be hooked up to all the sophisticated fMRIs and electro. Um, uh, eEGs and um, all kinds of other things and um, um, in certain uh, certain of the tests showed himself to be not only um, a, a joyful and free being but off the charts on the machines and they to the terms of how much happiness and joy they could register the little <laughs> needles were over on the far end of the scale um, and he's just completed. Um, this quite wonderful book called The Joy of Living, that is in part un- unlocking the secret of and science of happiness. So, that is both um, wonderful Dharma teachings um, and a whole story of the relationship between um, Buddhist teachings and modern science, and his life with that, um, that's very much connected with the mind life um, ex- science ex- explorations with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and so forth, that many of you will know about. Um, Uh, Anything you want to say as a just greeting to folks before?
1: Good uh, evening. And I'm very, very happy to be here. And special, I'm very happy to be together with you. And uh, I come here one time, I think many years before. And now it develop a lot. And I think through this uh, meditation center benefit for many, many people, and I'm very happy about that. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> so um, I told um Che that our paths in some ways were reversed in terms of um, dharma and science, because he writes about in his book and quite beautifully tells of meeting Francesco, Francesco Varela, who is a great neuroscientist. Um, when he was a boy, nine years old, um, and becoming quite intrigued as as the Dalai Lama became intrigued with Western science and its relationship to mind and and uh, Dharma, and over the years since that time, which has been twenty years or so, has been learning and studying and part of this whole dialogue of Eastern and Western um, science, um, um, coming from the from the deep teachings of Vajrayana Buddhism, um, and looking at how science both understands and can grow in the understanding of mind and consciousness beautifully. For me, it was the reverse, I said to him. My father was a scientist. My twin brother is a scientist. Another of my brothers is a very successful scientist. And I grew up in a scientific household. My father taught in medical schools. He designed some of the first heart-lung machines. There were some in our basement that he was tinkering on, artificial (laughs) organs. He did space medicine, designing space capsules and stuff. All that was very cool. I was surrounded by science and good scientists. He was also a very unhappy and violent person who um, really didn't know how to live life um, in a satisfying way. And so for me... Um, I began the journey of saying, okay, science is all right, and science is very interesting, but unless you find some kind of inner science, um, it doesn't matter in some way. So I went to Asia. Um, I can't say running away from science, although that might have been half of it, Um, but looking for something more than outer science if you understand it's like that i forget who it was it might have been the the head of the joint chiefs of staff who said we are a nation of nuclear giants and ethical infants in some way and that science has developed extraordinary things in the external way but i knew that there was something more and so i went into the monastery first time i went was i guess i was 21 years old my teacher Shah. and i felt so happy to meet somebody who understood the science of the heart where there was wisdom and compassion and a kind of fearlessness instead of the fear that I knew in my family um, and you see it I mean these mind-life dialogue um, uh, meetings that happened at MIT and Stanford and various places that Rimache has been a part of and I've been a part of it certain times also um, it's almost like there's two teams you can look up on the stage. And on, you know, there's the His holiness of the Dalai Lama in the middle, and on one side is Ajahn Amaro, monk, and Matthieu Ricard, and various kind of Buddhist practitioners, and on the other side are the Nobel laureate scientists. <laughs> and they're offering what they have in terms of understanding of mind. Um, and by the end of it, usually the room is all kind of leaning toward the side of the stage that has these, the Dalai Lama and these wonderful monks and practitioners and so forth who are talking about not only understanding the mind in sophisticated ways, but how you embody compassion, how you actually live it and feel it and know it. This very fruitful dialogue. And in fact, in January, um, before I went off for this two months of retreat, We had a scientist retreat here. We had almost 100 scientists from around the country for a week. And it was wonderful. Um, The heads of different laboratories and neuroscientists from around the country um, and uh, very well-known researchers from medical schools and and so forth. And they were great to teach because they, they all knew how to do an experiment. You'd say, all right, here's our experiment. For this week you're going to be silent and you're going to do these practices and sit and walk in this way and then we'll see what happens. Here's the protocol. And they were very diligent because that's how they got to be the professor or the head of their lab. They really knew how to focus. Okay. You know, from Stanford and and Berkeley and Harvard and all these various places. Um, And at the end, they were almost all just grinning. You know, it was beautiful. Uh, As one fellow came up, I won't say which university, he was the head of this whole thing, big complex at the medical school he said I learned more about myself in this week in my mind that I did in years of psychoanalysis (laughs) to the group he said this and I said yeah and it was cheaper too (laughs) (laughs) but there was a tremendous excitement actually as Rinpoche knows from the scientists because there were things that they discovered in their own practice that they could now go and research now, we just also finished the two-month retreat here at Spirit Rock um, day before yesterday, and uh, that, too, is a joy. We had the retreat was full, eighty, some people for the two months. And people came out in the first week or two. people everybody wrestles on retreat when you first get there with stress or the busyness of mind and all of these things, and as people began to practice. All of the difficulties, which do come, started to be held in a more spacious and easy and wise way. Um, And by the end of the retreat, people looked different. Their faces looked young. Um, There was a sense from the, the stillness in the room. You could sit in the room toward the end of the two months. And you didn't even have to meditate, it just happened to you. There was this very profound stillness of all these human beings sitting together with both a a kind of samadhi or a deep concentration, but also such tenderness and compassion that grew in people. And I think of one woman, and yes, there are the people who are doing samadhi practices and all these very interesting trainings of the mind that one does on long retreat. Um, And that was beautiful and and transformative. But I think of another woman who, on retreat whose child had died a few years ago and came on this retreat really with a broken heart and grieved and wept, as one also needs to do, um, and breathed and walked. And one day toward the end of the retreat, she came in and and she said, "Um, something is really changing. I'm feeling a new sense of space and a new capacity since my daughter's death. And then she reached into her pocket and she pulled out a hard-boiled egg and she said, I got this last week at breakfast. It was served, but I decided not to eat it. And I keep it in my pocket and it's warm. And she said, it's like my heart. This was like she was sitting on this egg. She said, it was so broken and now it feels like I've been holding it on this retreat in this way and something new is going to get born from it again. And she just held this egg. And I could have wept when she said it was so beautiful. Um, so yes, there's the, there are these kind of wonderful yogic practices. But in the simplest way, also, there's just the transformation of the heart that's possible through attention and compassion and dedication over and over again. Now, one of the reasons also that I wanted to speak for a bit tonight before Rinpoche um, and, and then do a bit of a maybe a 10-minute meditation is that uh, a very close friend and a beloved benefactor and teacher of mine died in uh, the past, well, about ten days ago or so. His name was Mahagosananda, and he was the um, uh, supreme head of the Buddhist, uh, um, Cambodian Buddhist order or Buddhist tradition. Um, And... uh, he was also known as the the Gandhi of Cambodia. Um, and there's a picture in our little gratitude hut, and my daughter actually did a painting of it, which they, they sell in the bookstore. I just love this painting. There was a moment um, when the Dalai Lama was here for the teacher meetings that we had. Um, uh, Dalai Lama had just arrived and gotten out, and his old friend Mahagosananda, who we've known for years, Mahagosananda was was nominated for the Nobel Prize five different times. And they met each other, these wonderful grins and happiness, and then one bowed and the other bowed and the next one bowed. And they each tried to bow lower than the other one, like, I'm going to pay more respects, until finally their heads touched like they couldn't bow any lower. And that's the painting of the moment of, I don't know if you can see it, but of that moment of them really honoring one another Um, and I met Mahagosananda in 1971 in this forest monastery and he was helping to translate from this, this teacher to a few Westerners there and he was so modest about himself that I thought he wasn't a very good meditator I thought okay he doesn't meditate much he's a translator he's a scholar he's a nice guy Later I learned that you know he knew 15 languages and he'd done all this kind of inner training. And mostly he was just being himself. He wasn't trying to do anything. It was this incredible simplicity of being that radiated love. And when the great Holocaust came to Cambodia and so many people were killed, almost a third of the population from the Khmer Rouge, he was in Thailand outside the border. So of the 60,000 monks that were there, Fifty thousand or more were killed, and I think there were six thousand left, or something, out of the sixty thousand. Ten percent were left, and he was one of the elders that went back to rebuild the the sangha. All, almost all his family—seventeen members of his family—were killed, and yet, and yet, he said, um, "If I cannot go back and teach my people peace." then all my years of training will mean nothing. And so he went and he led these walks through the countryside of Cambodia in the places there where (coughs) there was still fighting. For 10 years he did this with with a loving-kindness sutra written out in Cambodian and in Pali that he would give to people, and chanting the words of loving-kindness in the places where the fighting was the most or where there were landmines, people would throw grenades at them or shoot. And they just walked and did love. And anyone who needed to go somewhere, he would walk refugees back to their villages. You need to go there. Let me walk with you so that you can arrive in peace rather than in fear. Quite extraordinary. And incredibly generous. He gave anything he had away. He didn't have anything left when he died. It was just his love. Um, and one story I'll tell in his honor, which I've told um, many times. I was with Gosananda in the, working with him in the Cambodian refugee camps in 1970, I don't know when it was, maybe 78. And at that time, Um, There were hundreds of thousands of people who'd fled across the border to Thailand. And these little camps, bamboo huts on this dry, hot, barren rice paddy plain with barbed wire around it run by the UN. 50,000 people in Sakeo, 100,000 people in Kaui Dung. And he decided to build a Buddhist temple there to reawaken the Dharma for these people whose temples were destroyed the way that things have happened to the people in Tibet as well. Um, got permission from the UN and built this little bamboo temple in the middle of the the square, a bamboo roof and place to sit and so forth. And the Khmer Rouge underground, the communists there, said that if anybody went to the temple when they got out from the camp, they would be shocked. So we didn't know if anybody would come. And on the morning that this... Uh, temple was to open, went through the camp ringing this gong and inviting people to come. People who hadn't heard the Dharma or hadn't been to a temple for 10 years, everything was burned and destroyed in their villages. And 25,000 people filled the square. It was really amazing. And Mahagosananda sat up there and looked out at this huge ocean of faces of people who had all lost everything, their homes, their families were killed, terrible. And I thought, now what is he going to say? What teaching can he give? You know, how will he speak? And he looked at them all, and he began, put his hands together, and he began to chant the second verse of the Dhammapada, which goes in Sanskrit and in Cambodian, hatred never ceases by hatred but by love alone is healed this is the ancient and eternal law and he chanted it over and over and pretty soon you know a hundred and two hundred and by the time he got going for a while all 25,000 people were singing this were chanting this mm-hmm. and weeping and what I saw was that he was giving them a truth that was even bigger than their suffering that you are not defined by your suffering. Yes, we suffer, and there were tears, tremendous compassion for the sorrows of these people, and yet, hatred never ends by hatred, but by love alone is healed. This is the ancient and eternal law. Um, And he went around the world thereafter for years teaching this truth. Um, and offering loving kindness and spaciousness, a kind of free and joyful heart. You are not defined by your suffering. You too have the great heart of a Buddha within you, great compassion, great freedom. It's not someplace else, he would say. If you want to find nirvana, it is within your own heart and mind, your own capacity for peace and joy. Awaken to that. And then he would use this teaching from the Buddha where he says, if you put salt in a cup and drink it in the water, it's very salty. But if you put salt, that same spoon of salt, into a lake, the lake still feels pure and clear. Make your mind peaceful and pure and clear, spacious like this great lake. Um, Open and wide as the whole world. Make your heart as wide as the world. And then you can hold the sorrows of the world in compassion and yet not be not drowned in them. So I want to teach us five minutes or seven minutes of meditation and then Rinpoche will go on um, because we usually have some meditation. He might, he might do some too. I don't know what you will do, but whatever. Um, and so I'd like you to sit. And this is a way of
2: practice...
0: All living beings radiating love over the world, being the peace that we would wish for all. So I thank you for the meditation that we've done together in honor of Mahagosananda. And uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you, Rinpoche, that you can be here and offer teachings. It's very nice to be back with you all after these months. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That was very good meditation. <laughs> Again, good evening. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, as not as he mentioned uh, about my little bit life story. Actually, I wrote written in my book. Uh, when I when I was young, even though I have very good family, my father was a meditation teacher. His name is Drugu Ojirinbuse. And I had very nice, loving monks, nuns surrounded by me. But I have one big problem it's about panic attack, you know? Panic attack. Sorry, my English is not so good. Okay. (laughs) If you don't understand my words, you can ask me, okay? <laughs> panic attack. <laughs> but I received a lot of teaching from my father and some other teachers also. When I was meditate, okay, no problem with the panic attack. But I'm a little bit lazy boy, you know. So I, I don't like to meditate all the time. <laughs> but uh, when I was uh, 13 years old, uh, actually 11 years old, I moved to India, a place called Shirabling. And when I was uh, uh, 13 years old, they're going to start new three year retreat. You know, in Tibetan tradition we have the three year retreat. Solid, you know. For three years we cannot see other people and we have to stay in the retreat house. And we have to get up morning three o'clock, sleep, nine o'clock. And I like to join that three year retreat. But I'm afraid maybe uh, the, his Eminence Thay he is the uh, the main teacher for our monastery, and I'm very afraid to ask him, but I asked to my father, Push my father, please. Mm-hmm. Could he ask to Let me enter three-year retreat, and he wrote a letter, send with my brother, Songirumbce, and Thay said Okay. <laughs> I was very happy. Then I interiorated when I was uh, thirteen years old. But still the panic attack, you know, followed me as like shadow. Mm-hmm. Then special with the group puja. Many people together and they use a lot of what do you call? Gong. But we don't have like this gong, we have bum, you know, a loud song. <laughs> then, then one day I decide, okay, if you like to still continue to rest two years, same situation like this, or not. You know, then I decided to apply, really apply the meditation technique. What I've been taught, you know, from my father, other teachers. And I sat in my little retreat room for three days to apply meditation training. Then the <coughs> then guess what? <laughs> it worked. <laughs> okay. Then my panic attack, it's gone. But actually in that time I almost have what do you call nervous breakdown.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> nervous breakdown, yeah? But what I call is nervous breakthrough.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Then after that, after three days later, I joined group puja together because we have one hour every day. Okay. Then it took me two weeks to totally recover. And since from that, I don't have panic attack. You know, even one single time. And that's why I, I wrote a book, The Joy of Living. You know. And uh, why? Because I like to wrote this book. I like to share my own experience. And also, when I was young, there's uh, many scientists who were uh, receiving teaching from my father, like Francisco Varela. And I learned some idea of Western science, like neuro- ne- neurology. Mm-hmm. And he explained to me some about stars, galaxies. You know, I like stars, you know, galaxies, mm-hmm. and watching the, what you call uh, telescope. Telescope, yeah. Then, yeah. Then uh, I have some what do you call interests, personal interests, about science. And after that, yeah, no, no. Then I finished three-year retreat. And after that, uh, I I become a retreat master when I was seventeen years old because. My retreat master called Salji Rumbachi. He passed away end of our retreat. You know, there's two two retreat master. One Saji the main one. Another, another one is Sutin, Lama Sutin. And he asked me to, he he asked to Taisitupa, his eminent I I have to be retreat master for the next retreat. And his asked me to be ritual master. First, I'm quite oh I cannot do because I'm very young. He said, "Okay, okay, you can do, you have to do," and I'm accept. Mm-hmm. But uh, everybody is older than five, 25 years old, you know. I'm like baby.
2: <laughs> Some
1: of them is 60 years old. <laughs> I'm giving teaching to them. It's a little bit funny. <laughs> But anyway, they like it very much. and They are very happy. <laughs> then, after that, I c- after many years later, I came to the West. First time I came to United States, it's uh, 1980, 90, <laughs> 1998. I came here, Spiro, mm-hmm. also, and I met many different scientists who interested about. Uh, I'm I, I interested with, to learn more about science and some of my friends give me a lot of videos and uh, physics about ne- uh, neuronal neural- neurology, thank you. Then I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of similarity between science and Buddhism. If I make a book, and also, I can share my personal experience with them. Then I start to make book. And uh, and also, I go to the lab, you know, in Wisconsin University with doc- in medicine. Wisconsin New- University with the doctor Richard Davison. I'm guinea pig, you know, guinea pig, guinea pig, guinea pig. you know. Yeah. <laughs> they put me in big machine called MRI MRI M or MRI L or something extra word FMRI thank you very big machine inside very cold (laughs) and uh, I cannot move if I move a little bit then the, the image everything mix up they put here like What do you call air? Air air
2: balloon? No, pump. You know, pump. Air (laughs) (laughs) pump. Big ear.
1: Earphone here. And I cannot uh, meditate with the seven posture. You know, (laughs) and I have to lie down. And sometimes I get itchy here. But I cannot do anything, just.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know what that, what that result is, you know. And, and they asked me to meditate on uh, actually four points non conditional loving kindness, compassion, and objectless Yamada, what we call is open present, and the meditation with focus and the visualization. With uh, the like deity or something, you know, mm-hmm. Buddha. Uh, then they said, "Okay, one minute meditate. Oh. Now, one minute stop. <laughs> now meditate. <laughs> Two minutes compassion. <laughs> uh, one minute
2: stop." <laughs> no, I have done,
1: and and during those meditation, they send a lot of. Uh, uh, like what? What do you call a fearful sound? Like a, a lady uh, th- scream, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and baby cry while meditating. And I have to stay there for two hours. <laughs> and special with the meditation on object, I cannot find object. <laughs> everything is closed, you know. <laughs> And when I look there, there's a little drop on the machine. And I try to focus, and my eyes
2: cross.
1: (laughs) And uh, do you know what the result is? They have to exam for six months, you know, in the computer, here, there. And they say, I'm totally crazy. I thought they, they might give me some special certificate, you know <laughs> You are enlightened
2: No, no, no,
1: no just kidding,
2: okay.
1: Uh, the result is good. They said that my happiness that there's a, in the brain there's many locations, some location for depression, happiness anger, or many things. And the, my <laughs> area, the brain area for the happiness function is very, very high. More than seven, uh, 700%. Mm-hmm. And I feel, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Then that's the uh, the, I think there's the the meditation technique I wrote in my book, but today I would like to share you. First point, okay, open present, objectless samatha. Maybe if if we have time, maybe I would like to talk about a meditation with object. Okay, but. Uh, First, I would like to talk about the posture of meditation because normally when I teach meditation, I'm uh, giving teaching about physical body posture, you know. In Tibetan Buddhism, this is a very important because the mind and body is like cup and water. Body is like cup, mind is like water. You know, That's why you need to... Uh, Still, body and relaxed body. Then water, water becomes still, relax. I don't know, relax or not, but still, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: w- water can relax. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there are many different postures, like uh, seven posture. it's quite too long and uh, and the another one is two only 2 point make more discount 2 point okay <laughs> first keep your spine straight N- not now you can do later <laughs> okay now just listening okay just straight like uh, uh, an arrow you know but not too much, then become backward. But not like this either. Then for too much forward and fell asleep. But sometimes sleeping is good also. You can apply sleeping meditation. <laughs> but anyway, just in the middle. OK? And uh, your hands uh, put here is also OK, or here is OK. That's the up to you. And a uh, little bit of open shoulders, arms, you know, not too tight. Traditionally, we call like arms should be like vultures, vulture, you know, bird, vultures' wing. You know. But you don't have to do like this, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: I saw one person in France, you know, Paris. There's one Tibetan monastery, one of the, uh, what they call f- forest park inside Paris. There's a big park, park, you know. Mm-hmm. One day morning, I walk in the park. There's one guy meditating, face to sun, it's like this. Then I walked past by, you know, and he saw me. He asked me, Hello, are you a Buddhist monk? And I said, Yes. Wow. Uh, Do you ever meditate? <laughs> I said, Yes, of
2: course.
1: <laughs> and he said, How was it? <laughs> and I said, Fine. <laughs> Then he said, I like meditate very much, but I have one problem, you know. It always bother to me. And I thought, what? Well, what's your problem? <laughs> and he said, you know, when you meditate, you have to do like this, you know. <laughs> that always bothered me.
2: <laughs>
1: then I was a little bit surprised, you know. And I asked him. Where did you learn meditation?
2: <laughs>
1: and he said, from the books. <laughs> and what book tell you about this? He said, in the book said, <laughs> your yeah, arm should be like vulture's vulture's wing, you know.
2: <laughs> and that's why
1: he's uh, tried to do vulture's wing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> uh, that's why <laughs> you don't have to do that. Just relax. And uh, the head a little bit forward. <coughs> Again, not too tight. Okay, that's the, about first point. Still too many, yeah? <laughs> and the second point, relax with your, all the muscles in your arms, in your leg.
2: Just
1: relax. Okay, And now we're going to do this together. Not right now, but I will let you know, okay? Together. <laughs> and at the same time, you have to relax with your mind first. No meditation, okay? This is not meditation. This is why you don't have to worry about meditation in this time. We just relax... We're going to do just relax with physical body, relax, and at the same time, you have to you have to relax with your mind also. Just totally relax. <laughs> but not like ah, uh, you know, <coughs> relax yet still aware. Okay, like example. Uh, some people like to do physical exercise okay okay physical exercise, jogging for maybe uh, one hour jogging (laughs) and after one hour you're totally tired, yeah but you're happy because you finish your exercise maybe who knows you lose weight weight, you know become more skinny and good for your body, heart. this is why you feel happy, but your body tired. Then maybe you take shower with good temperature, water, you know, not so cold, not so hot. And after that, rest on the chair, you know, like big side. <sighs> just resting. As it is. Like that. Easy, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm. You don't have to... And this is not meditation. This is why you don't have to block the thought. You don't have to block thought and emotion and feeling. Let them come and let them go. Just relax. Okay. Now we're going to try together. Okay. You cannot rest more than four seconds for a beginner. Don't worry. Repeat again and again. But again, this is not meditation. Okay, now finish. How was it? (laughs) Feel a little bit relaxed? (laughs) Okay, it is uh, similar to the meditation or it is uh, more relaxed than meditation? What do you feel? Okay, if you think this is similar to meditation, please raise your hand. Relax I mean I mean, this is a relaxed, same as meditation. This is a relaxed same as meditation. Please raise your, raise your hand. OK. And if you think this is a more relaxed than meditation, please raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Good. Now I have a little secret. I like to share you, but uh, there's many people, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to share my secret or not. <laughs> but uh, not big secret. Okay. <laughs> the secret is that was meditation. You know, you know secret. Okay, good. <laughs> why? Because my father told me, non-meditation is best meditation. You know, that's why the real meditation. You don't have to meditate. You just be as it is. You know, then. Your mind can able to be with your pure awareness. What we call is pure awareness, the, the, the essence of your thoughts, essence of emotion. you know That is what we call is pure awareness. That pure awareness is more than thought. More than emotions. Like example, uh, space, like pure awareness, clouds, are like thought and emotion. But uh, normally, what we perceive, you know, we only perceive thought and emotion. My mind, what my mind thought, what I'm thinking, blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> what what I call is crazy monkey mind. The ordinary mind, always talk 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 talk, talk. Blah, blah blah blah. Then <sighs> mind cannot rest one place more than four seconds. You know. Scientists said more than four seconds. But before they said more than two seconds, I think. Two or three seconds. Four? Something like that, yeah. Maybe four and a half and half. <laughs> no. But uh, meditator can able to stay with one object more than four seconds. I mean four minutes. And this way you can get freedom from your, your, from your own mind inside of you, you know. Because if your mind cannot rest by itself, then mind has to create another problem. Because then Otherwise, crazy monkey becomes jobless. You know. <laughs> That's why the crazy monkey has to make some problems. That's why when the crazy monkey becomes almost jobless, then start to fear. You know, no good. Everything's fine. Everything's convenient. Life is good. Good job. Then you start to have another problem. You know. But... When you meditate, then crazy monkey becomes retire. <laughs> retire. with without retired payment. <laughs> but uh, actually, it's not so that bad, crazy monkey transforms into tame elephant. <laughs> tame elephant. <laughs> and that's why we call the result of meditation. Is your mind become pliable, workable? If you like to think, you can think. If you lie to, if don't, you, you don't like to think, not thinking. If you like to rest, calm, in calm, <coughs> open, relax, you can able to do that. That's the real freedom, you know. Otherwise, some people thinking meditation. If you meditate again, again, in the end, you will become like zombie you
2: know
1: a zombie uh, who am i
2: <laughs> what, what are you
1: doing <laughs> not like that <laughs> if that the case then when you become buddhahood I, I mean when you become a buddha then you're totally lost
2: <laughs>
1: no because from meditation you can manifest your pure inner nature. In, in, Tibet we call, in Tibetan term, we call Buddha-nature, you know, Buddha-nature. Buddha-nature means essence uh, of all beings. The fancy name is Buddha-nature, but direct name is essence of all beings. That's why we all have Buddha-nature. And that is essence of all the beings, even animals. Turkey, you know, I saw there's a wild turkey. Female turkey, turkey, male turkey. The male turkey has a lot of good feather, yeah, and try to show up to the female turkey, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, I'm wonderful. I'm how handsome. <laughs> Why why are they doing like this? Because of Buddha nature.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's true. Why? <laughs> because of Buddha nature, we all like to have happiness. We're all looking for happiness, you know. And Don't want to, don't want to have suffering. That is sign of Buddha nature. That's why Turkey, even N, you know, N, small N, very busy for 24 hours every day. Here, there, you know, why looking for happiness? (laughs) and why you all come to here looking for happiness? And why you go back to home? Also, searching for happiness. When you go back to home, first you open your door, second, you will open the (laughs) refrigerator. Open the refrigerator and looking for happiness inside. (laughs) Maybe you can find happiness in cheese, cheese, yogurt vegetables, but actually you cannot find real happiness from cheese.
2: <laughs>
1: if real happiness exists within cheese, then as you eat more more cheese, you will become more and more happy. Yeah? Actually not. <laughs> as you eat more and more cheese. Then your stomach <laughs> become more full. You don't like cheese at all. <laughs> mm. This is why the real happiness is within your own mind. But in a sense, everybody looking for happiness. Why? Because of Buddha nature. Why? Why? That? Because our true nature. Our real essence is completely free from suffering, you know. Our real nature is endowed, indow yeah, endow. uh, with the unchangeable happiness, and this is why we are seeking our real home. You know, this is why we get homesick. Otherwise, we are just become like robot. You know? Even you are. Burn in in fire. I saw there's one movie, you know. Uh, I forgot the name. In the end the robot got to the what do you call iron and still doing like this, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but we want to have happiness, don't want to have suffering. But who knows? In the future, if there's a Good robot and mind can able to enter also. Okay. Uh, this is why we have Buddha nature. That is our own nature, true nature. Then this is why we don't have to meditate. You know, we just rest as it is. Then naturally, we will return to our home. But not today. Not not within one or two seconds, you know. You have to practice again, again, again. <coughs> then, but right now, <coughs> how you practice? You have to practice short time, many times. And, uh, Repeat I mean the all the time, you can meditate with many different situations, you know, while you're drinking, eating, diving, eating uh, McDonald's, you know I mean the hamburgers, pizza, while you are using cell phone, you can meditate, you know Hi, hello <laughs> you know because. Because the pure awareness, fundamental awareness, is always there. You cannot skip from fundamental awareness. But the, but the problem, there's one problem. Not many problems at all. You have Buddha nature. You don't have to create new one. And you don't have to buy, you know, thousand, thousand dollars or whatever. It's already with you, your Buddha nature. But there's only (coughs) one problem. The problem, the one problem is we don't recognize our Buddha nature. That's the problem. Even though you are already good, you are whole. But if we don't recognize our true nature, then still we have some problem. We have suffering, we have uh, illusion, negativity. And this is why we are samsara here. This is why you have to come here to learn you know, and meditate, meditate. I will give you one example hmm, about the <coughs> about, uh, power of recognition. Okay? With uh, my watch, this is very expensive watch. Do you know how much? 30,000 US dollar. Uh, this is a diamond. The cover is diamond. <coughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs>
2: 100
1: rupees. I bought from, from India. And waterproof also.
2: <laughs>
1: so far, it's good. Okay, I will ask you one question. What is main quality of watch? Pardon?
2: Tell
1: the time. Tell the time. Everybody agree? The main quality of watch is tells time, yeah? This is Indian watch. So far, it tells time also good. Okay. Imagine, if I have... Wonderful watch. <laughs> but I don't recognize my watch, you know. Then maybe I lost my job because I don't know time. And uh, AM, PM, sometime too early in office, nobody there. I thought, oh, close, but it's actually too early. <laughs> sometime too late. Then the bus, you know, boss or bus? Boss. boss. Yeah. Fire, you know. You say, Get out. You are not good. <laughs> then I cannot pay bills, you know, for my home, apartment, apartment, whatever. Then I, in the end, I become homeless. Nothing to eat, nothing to wear, you know, on the street. Mm. Then one day, I met one of the very good friends of me, mine, friend of mine, yeah? And the friend said, hi. I say hi. What are you doing here? Then maybe I will say, "Well, just waiting for suffering here. You know, nothing much to do." <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Huh? Well, I don't have time. That's why I lost my job. And your good friend say, "No, you have watch. This is a watch." So you might say, "Don't kidding me. I have no watch." But your good friend said, Yes, this is a watch. (laughs) This is a PM, AM, whatever. And one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. And slowly, slowly, I realized, Yes, this is my watch. Mm. And try to read my watch. But first, very difficult. You know, one, two, three, four, five, five, but now eight. Then minutes, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and get lost. But in the end, I can able to read within one second. And I got. Very good job with big salary, you know. And I, <laughs> I bought a big house. And I have nice things to eat, many cheese in my refrigerator. And, <laughs> and nice things to wear. Even few servants, maybe. <laughs> my life become wonderful. Okay? Now I, I will ask you one question. There's a true situation with watch. First, I have watch, but I didn't recognize my watch. This is why I become homeless. Second, I have watch, but I recognize my watch. This is why my life is wonderful. Which watch has more quality? That's the question. (laughs)
2: Same, same. Same Same watch?
1: Everybody agree? Good, now you all pass. <laughs> watch is same. But difference is whether you recognize your watch or not. If you recognize your watch, watch can tell you the time. And your life becomes wonderful. You know. But if you don't recognize your watch, then watch cannot tell you time. Even though watch has good quality. Uh, and you have your watch. Your watch. No problem. Okay. And this way why the Buddhism, it, it doesn't mean you have to do this, then you become a better person, and you change your life. Not like that. Buddhism means you have to recognize what you have. Your innate quality. Your real wisdom. Your real knowledge. Your real power, you know. <coughs> can Able to manifest. That's why non meditation is best meditation. Just rest. But you cannot rest more than four seconds. <laughs> rest. Hamburger.
2: Rest.
1: Cheese in my refrigerator. Rest. <laughs> what should I do tomorrow? I don't know. Rest. Gosh, tomorrow I have to go walk, you know. That's okay. You know. Don't worry. You can come back again, again. But actually short is better. If you apply short and you can keep fresh, fresh your meditation. Mm. But you can repeat again, again, again. And this way your crazy monkey becomes jobless. <laughs> you know. And transform into Ten elephant, okay? Uh, that is what we call is urban present meditation, with urban present. And maybe we should do a little bit answer questions? Yes, that would be very good. Okay.
2: Do you have any questions?